Welcome, Bears fans, to another episode of Bears Cat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And we're two jamokes who sit in the visitors section for psychological warfare. <laughs> so, um, we are uh, getting pretty excited about the oncoming slot of news from training camp. Yeah, we're a weekend already. Yeah, and uh, not too far from actual actual pseudo game playing. Yeah, what, six weeks until the first game or thereabouts. We're, what, two weeks away from the first preseason game, which is always exciting, even though it ends up usually being a letdown. <laughs> but training camp so far has not been without news and probably the... Best. It never it never really is. And probably the best place to start is with Tevin Jenkins, who showed up and practiced on the first day of camp, and then <laughs> starting day two was not practicing, and Matt Eberflus wouldn't say why he wasn't practicing. All he would say is he's working with the trainers. And over the past couple of days now, it's started to uh, get more and more traction with the media that Jenkins is sitting out for a matter that is not necessarily 100% injury-related. And now, over the last day or so, there's been reports from Ian Rappaport and Peggy Kaczynski that the Bears are actively looking to trade him. And this story is one that I'm, I find really interesting, and I haven't yet figured out exactly how I feel about it. Because, on one hand, Tevin Jenkins was a second-round pick last year, and... Because it was a Ryan Pace pick, of course, the Bears traded up for him. Yep. So, if you listen to some of the draft analysts, they'll say that based on the number of picks the Bears gave up for him, it was the equivalent of a late first-round pick. But either way, it was a high draft pick one year ago. He missed most of the season with a back injury, played a few games towards the end of the season. I don't think did anything spectacular, but wasn't terrible either, and... All things considered, coming back from back surgery in his rookie year, I thought he did just fine in the limited action that he saw. But on the other hand, there's stories that are coming out that say that he might have some character issues, that he's not meshed with the new coaching staff and the new regime, and they basically seem like they have decided that he's not in their plans going forward. So it's a hard thing and I can see both sides of the story but what's your initial reaction to all the news that's been swirling around Tevin Jenkins? Well um, I was just uh, looking at an article from Courtney Cronin here and uh, she uh, she was pointing out uh, you know she's just talking about some of the different things but this sentence just jumped out at me the previous Bears regime that drafted Jenkins in 2021 believed he had the potential to become a franchise left tackle so, you know, this is this is part of what bothered me about the Jenkins pick. Because I liked the Jenkins pick in the fact that he was going to come in and be a right tackle. But that Pace decided that he was going to draft the number one rated right tackle for our left tackle position. And then immediately cut our current left tackle in Charles Leno, who immediately went and started for the Redskins, uh, or the Commanders. And, you know, that part of it is... And had a pretty good year, by the way. It had a very decent year. Got a second contract from them. Got got a contract extension. Um, Actually, 
I think it's arguable that he might have had a better year than he did with any in any of the Bears years. The oh, way I, I understand it from his metrics. Yeah, I didn't watch every Washington football team game, <laughs> but from what I understand, he did have a really nice year. But that's besides the point. I think your point right. your point is a good one that Pace drafted a player to play left tackle that everybody else in the league thought was a right tackle. Exactly, and and. Um, so uh, Jim and I were discussing earlier that uh, the Bears blog was talking about, um, to paraphrase, that last spring there was some talk about uh, Jenkins that wasn't physically related. It was more along the lines of uh, attitude, um, uh, juvenile or immature behavior, uh and, uh, you know, Jim pointed out that his own coach actually said that he hadn't, he hadn't seen the kind of fire out of Jenkins that in his previous years until Jenkins found out he might be able to go to the NFL. Yeah, you're, you're talking about Mike Gundy, his, his coach. Mike Gundy, his, co- his coach at Oklahoma State. And I'm trying to remember what the exact quote was, but it was something to the effect of, he didn't really show that he loved football until he learned that he could make a lot of money playing football. So that doesn't necessarily speak very highly of how uh, important the game of football is to Tevin Jenkins. Now, that was in college. Things can obviously change from the time you're 18, sure. 19 years old to the time that you're 24, which is what he is right now. But your point is a good one. I, I know that it's been reported by Matt Miller, who's a big draft analyst, that there were a number of teams in the NFL that had him off their draft board. He cited injury concerns, which came to bear in his first year because mm-hmm. he had back surgery before he ever played a snap. But You called it. There, there's also just whispers about his maturity and his desire to play football professionally at a really high level. And so, on one hand, the Bears are in no position to be shipping out talented offensive linemen. Their offensive line is really bare bones as it is, and I think we're going to see a lot of snaps from players that are not necessarily ready to be starting at the NFL level this year. So yeah, absolutely. On one pers- from, one, from one perspective, I can see, even if Jenkins can just be average, he probably still has more talent than anybody else on the offensive line right now. Could be. And if that's the case, I would hate for them to trade him or cut him because either he's not a fit for the scheme or because he's maybe got some maturity issues because he is still 24. He's still a young player. It's not that out of the ordinary for people that are 24 years old to maybe have some immaturity problems. Right. And that's true in the NFL. It's true everywhere in society. And you've seen championship football teams that – have players that maybe at the start of their career had some questionable character moments and part of coaching in my opinion is getting the most out of those guys especially when they have a lot of talent which say what you want about Jenkins he was a second round pick and a lot of teams had him graded out as a first round talent when you disregard the injury so you'd hate to see him walk out the door for nothing because all these reports about the Bears trading him, I'm like, what are you going to trade him for? Right. Like, I mean, I mean, you're probably going to get a like maybe a, a third. Uh, I was thinking maybe a third or a fourth, but maybe I, I, I could be overly optimistic there. 
Now, the one, the one thing I did want to touch on here, though, is, you know, none of us really know how good the guy is yet. Right. He didn't play long enough for us to get any picture of that. Not to mention, he played at the end of the season, and that's always a big difference when you're on a team that's not very good, and right? The end of Matt Nagy. Which... The end of Matt Nagy. Um, and now I'm, I'm reading right here, uh, again, in, uh, referencing Cronin, uh, he took, uh, I didn't see this, uh, Jenkins would put on Twitter, I'm good, don't believe everything you read, and then Sam Mustafer said that uh, he spoke with Jenkins and said, uh, he was told by Jenkins just keeping his, he was keeping his head into things, doing whatever is required to get back on the field. I don't think everybody should automatically rain down on the kid because we don't know what's going on. That's the number one. We have to remember that. We don't know how good the kid is, and we don't know what's going on right now. The only criticism I have is what Pace did as far as drafting a player that was assumed to be in one position and immediately moving him to another position, which Pace did multiple times, right? Yeah. But, it, but as far as you were pointing out, he was one of the higher-rated tackles. I mean, in general, I think he was maybe number five or number six by uh, um, uh, by Kuiper. So, yeah, yeah and that, I saw that tweet from Jenkins too. And I'll say this: that if he's angry that all of this speculation is happening, then he has nobody to blame but the Bears for that. Right. Because if he's truly just injured and that's why he's not practicing, all the Bears have to do is say he's got a hand injury or a leg like even even if they're lying about what the injury is all they have to do is say he's got an injury he's going to be back in a week we're not concerned about it it's not a long-term thing but by just saying oh he's working with the trainers it's a minor injury blah 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 like not really getting into specifics and just saying well we're not required to disclose what the injury is so we're not going to that invites speculation and that's a bears thing by yeah, the way yeah like the, the bears agreed across numerous regimes have purposefully been very vague about injuries or reasons that players are missing practice or games and it really serves no purpose other than to encourage speculation so that that's a bit of a aside but also with with Jenkins if I I, I kind of have a theory on, on this and everybody's got a theory but we know Ryan Poles wanted his offensive lineman to be smaller and Jenkins is known as a big offensive lineman that uses his size to his advantage like his biggest his biggest physical trait is just how big he is like look at pictures of that guy he's huge he's huge so if Poles came in and said we want you to lose 30 40 pounds and play a different game maybe Tevin Jenkins just doesn't want to do that and maybe him and the Bears have come to a bit of a mutual agreement that if that's the type of player they want to play on the line, then he just shouldn't play here and the Bears should trade him. And that, to me, seems plausible because if that is the case and both sides agree that he's not going to be a Bear going forward, then it serves no purpose to have him practicing. But if that's what's happening, they better be right that he can't play football in this scheme because if he leaves and he's a good player elsewhere... That's going to look really bad, especially if he goes out there for another team this year and has a really strong season. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, completely agree. Uh, One uh, other thing that I wanted to touch on is, you know, we we now have a general manager that is 
um, a former lineman. Mm -hmm. And his assistant general manager is a former lineman. One of the things that you and I both have been excited about with those two guys is that we, for once, have real representation to go out and make an offensive line like the one we had during the 80s with like the Blues Brothers. To not be continuously throwing fill-in guys onto the line and expecting them to be better than they actually are. And um, I think if you look at Kansas City, he did a pretty good job over there. Um, I mean, the Super Bowl withstanding, uh, not included, simply because the entire, his uh, Mahomes entire offensive line was injured. Correct. You're talking about the Super Bowl where they lost to the Bucks, Right. So, but um, otherwise, I mean, you're looking at one of the better offensive lines in the league. Oh, and, and Cunningham, coming from the Eagles, you could make an argument that the Eagles and the Chiefs have the two best offensive lines in football. Exactly. There's some others that are in that discussion, but they're two of the, the top-tier offensive lines. Yeah, and I mean, you know, just, uh, just that right there, just saying that, is Far from what the Bears have had for 20 years, right? I mean, this has been uh, an endemic issue every single year, year after year. And, uh, man, did it really propagate during the last regime. So, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see how this plays out. Uh, We certainly... um, we certainly need to give the kid the benefit of the doubt because, like I said, we don't know what's going on. But whatever polls decides, as as a Bears fan and as a person as excited about what he's going to bring to this team, I'm leaning his way. I don't care whether it's popular or not. That's just, I'm going to trust what polls. I want to give him the the the, the extra leeway for him to be able to evaluate this team, and that's what I've seen since he's come here in January, is that he has been constantly evaluating what he has to work with. And and we know that he hated the offensive line that he inherited from Ryan Pace. Why, why didn't he? It was and terrible! It's, it's not surprising, because to your point, I think before Tevin Jenkins, I don't think Ryan Pace drafted an offensive tackle Ahead of like above the seventh round, no. he drafted a few that were in the seventh round that obviously never panned out. But Arlington Hambright, is he still on the team? No, I don't, I don't know whether he's still on the. Where's league. the other guy? Latavius Simmons is still oh, on the okay. team. Yeah, okay. He he was the one that got his ass kicked but, last year. But think about that. That's seven years drafting one tackle effect essentially. Yeah, like if you draft a, a tackle in the seventh round. Well, and then that's a we, lot, we that's did, a lottery ticket. Maybe it, they'll pan out, but probably not. And, and then we have the the double whammy from last year that they they drafted the franchise left tackle and immediately cut the starting left tackle that we already had there. So yeah. what did we end up doing? Having a forty two year old guy come in and stop playing PlayStation. You can come in and play a offensive tackle. Uh, you, you needed the salary cap room to keep Jimmy Graham on the roster. You got, yeah. you got, you got, you got to remember that. <laughs> and, and, and not to mention that that Peters was arguably one of the better players 
on the team no. on, on the offensive yeah, line. Yeah, Peters was fine. Then. <laughs> so I mean, how good would Charles Leno look on on this team right now if you I, could? If you could have a guy that you knew was probably going to go out there at left tackle and be competent for 17 games... It's, it would be a dream. Like, that, that's another thing that's, that's been coming out of camp, and it just goes to my point about the Bears are not in a position to be shipping out talented offensive linemen, but they have the reporters that are out there every day at practice, and a lot of times I just ignore those tweets because it's practice, and... Guys are working on things, and they're installing new plays, and some days... Things, You're talking about practice. Yeah, some days things just aren't going to look very good, but <laughs> people are making a big deal because every day the Bears are shuffling around their offensive line, and people are playing in different positions, and there's different guys running reps with the ones and the twos, and you better get used to that because yeah. the Bears, number one, have a million offensive linemen in camp, and about two of them are good. So th- that's <laughs> the whole point of the entire season is that he, the way I see it, and you know, again, perspective, right? Because the thing is, is that if you look into the future, we could feasibly, the team could feasibly come out of 2022, 2023 season, going into 2023 season with a really solid core at several positions, mm-hmm. right? Whereas coming out of Last season, we were literally a debacle at just about every spot. Oh, yeah. There was no position group other than running back, (laughs) which is far and away the least important (laughs) important. and the easiest one to get right. There's there's really not very many teams in the NFL that have a bad group of running backs. (laughs) Like You can find running backs everywhere. So other than running back, the Bears were a disaster at every other spot. So Ryan Pace... (laughs) God bless him. He, he was, Nothing like being solid at running back in a passing league. Yeah, he was able to keep his job for seven years, but he left the team in, in shambles. Ryan Poles has a huge job, and the biggest part of it is probably the offensive line because there's really nothing there right now. We know they drafted five guys, but they were all late-round picks. The hope is one or two of them turn out to be all right. I think there's a legitimate chance of that. Well, and, and so Braxton Jones is somebody that it seems like they're very high on. It's somebody that we hadn't even, we've never heard his name just four months ago. So he was the fifth round pick out of Southern Utah. So small school, but the kid looks the part. He's uh, athletic freak. He looks like an NFL offensive tackle. It's just that. 36 inch arms. It's just that. He played at Southern Utah, so going from Southern Utah to the NFL is a huge jump, and they're lining him up, and they're talking like they want him to be starting at either right or left tackle week one, and man, that is a big gamble when you're talking about somebody jumping from a non-Power 5 conference to the NFL. But at the same time, okay, so that was, that was, that was perfect, because you said, you know, that's a big gamble. But at the same time, it is a big gamble, but it's a calculated gamble, and that calculated gamble was made by people that know. Mm-hmm. So, And it's not out of the ordinary that a uh, later offensive line pick can fix a couple things and maybe put on some pounds in the offseason when he's going through an NFL workout regimen, and they can slot in there and be pretty good, but... Man, it, it, if you, it's it's pretty rare that that happens at left tackle. Yeah, right, right tackle. You can maybe see it happening, but I'll, I'll tell you what: the Bears 
don't and and Lucas Patrick, by the way, is already hurt. He's out for the rest of camp. It sounds like and is yep. already questionable week one. So that's one of the. It was like on like the second play or something. Yeah, like in, in a non-padded practice, how does an offensive lineman break his thumb in a non-padded practice? Like they're not even wearing real helmets. They're wearing those big pillow-looking helmets that are, meant, <laughs> that, are, that are meant to... So, I don't know. He must, like, he must have fallen and gotten stepped on or something. But, the and, pillow helmet. Yeah, have you seen them? They're actually yeah. pretty cool, but that's what they are. At least what they, they look like big pillows around your head. And if you collide heads, then you won't get a concussion, hopefully. So... It's a cool concept, and they look pretty cool, but, you know, they also look kind of funny when you see football players running around in them. But anyway, he's already out, so that was one of the veterans that you were counting on that might not be ready to go for week one. Jenkins, if they ship him out, is another player that you were hoping could slot in week one that had some NFL experience. You're running out of guys real quick already that you think could be And then, well, you know, that, that was part of it. Yeah, exactly, and... Like, the Bears don't have an easy start of the season. I mean, week one is the 49ers. That's Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and a bunch of guys in the front seven that can make your life absolutely miserable. It's a just a great team. And then week two is Lambeau at night in the Packers' home opener, and they have a good defense. So if you're trotting guys out there that aren't ready to go and aren't ready to be NFL football players, it's going to get exposed real quick, so... If the to bring it back to the original point, if if the Bears are gonna ship off Tevin Jenkins before they even really give him a chance, you, you better be sure that that's the right move because you don't have a lot of other options. And I, you know, like I said, I I completely agree with you. Um, and there's, you know, all you can do is have faith in the guy that's you know supposed to that's supposed to know. Yeah. And um, you know, this year is. Uh, kind of a free for all for polls because we don't know. Right. All we have to go on is what his history is, and then even with his history, um, there's only a limited amount of knowledge that we have about that. Right. So uh, we have to wait, and we have to wait and see. And you know, we, we at the same time, it's just like you were saying, we we can't automatically assume that Jenkins is gone. Nobody said that. You know, nobody that matters the only the only people that have said that are you know buzz people on the internet so you know it it, it could be true i mean rapaport did say they're taking calls yeah so and 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 rapaport is is you know pretty reliable he's not Schefter, (laughs) but um yeah you know I, i i get it but i'm just saying we we have to wait and see what the kid. We don't know what the deal is, and you know maybe it's true. Maybe it, they are fielding offers. Maybe uh, you know it's an oil and water mix with the coaching staff. That's not going to work out, right? Yeah. Um, I I certainly I certainly like the position that the team is in. That they have a, a, an offensive line guy, an offensive lineman, offensive, uh, offensive minded lineman, uh, in, in, in charge, right? This this isn't, uh, this isn't Mike Martz trading Greg Olson. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And bringing in Brandon Malamalula. Talk about an all time, just terrible, like just brain dead football decision. Yeah. My tight end 
isn't catching passes. Like, <laughs> right before the NFL just explodes with tight ends that do nothing but catch passes. Like, you're modeling an offense that worked 20 years ago in trading away a dynamic pass-catching tight end right before Travis Kelsey and George Kittle and Jimmy Graham and Gronk. Like, <laughs> And, you know, even so, and, and even with, um, our, the, with the line the way it is, um, you know, there is, a, you know, there's a couple of guys that are, are, are generating buzz. Like you said, number one, Braxton Jones, right? It certainly looks like the coaching staff and the GM want that guy heavily involved. Um, I, I don't know about you, but it certainly didn't seem like they just wanted to give him the spot. I'm pretty sure that the kid must be, you know, working hard to, to earn that. And um, Doug Kramer. Doug Kramer could very much be in the mix for for center because uh, you know there there is some buzz out there that uh, even though he's rotating with uh, Mustafa, he has the upper hand. Mm-hmm. So it, you know that's not shocking. I think I read that he started forty six games when at, he was at Illinois. At yep. Illinois, so I mean, the, you know, the all I'm saying is is that we we've, we've got players to work with, and that's part of. We have to cool our jets because we know so little about the talent is, that is on this team. Yeah, absolutely. And Eberflus said, I think, today that he's planning to play his starters in the preseason. So some of these kids are going to get some run in the preseason. Now they'll probably be playing against a lot of backups because I think the way the NFL is trending, not a lot of teams play their starters a significant amount of time, but... It's, it's going to be really interesting to watch because they have so many young linemen in camp and they're kind of tossing them all into the fire and we'll see which ones come out and which ones don't. But yeah, Jones and Kramer seem to be the ones getting a lot of buzz early on in camp. We'll see if that, uh, it, we'll see if that maintains itself for the next six weeks or so. And if not, we'll see some other guys slotting in there. Right. There's going to be a lot of guys that are playing snaps at offensive line for the Bears this year. There's going to be a lot of guys playing snaps everywhere. Yeah. The whole the team literally went from one of the oldest teams in the NFL to one of the youngest teams in the NFL, right? <laughs> I mean, it had the uh, biggest uh, roster shift of any team in the NFL. Yeah. So, you know, we got it. You were saying it. We got to relax a little bit and wait and see. Be a little, demonstrate some patience. I mean, we're still in training camp. And it might, it might be awful, too. It I mean, might be. It, it might just be absolutely terrible. <laughs> but I do believe, I do believe that even if this team is terrible, we will come away with some talented players. And we will come away with some pieces to work for work with for next year whereas this year the cupboard was pretty damn bare oh yeah i mean ryan pace left like six nfl players on the roster <laughs> you know like and i'm not i'm barely joking when yeah, I say that. you're barely joking it's 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 fewer than 10 for sure <laughs> it's fields Maybe the two running backs, the running backs, Mooney, white hair, Roquan, Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, like yeah. <laughs> Robert Quinn, like, and, and, and most of those guys, like three of those guys I just listed off are at the back ends of their career and two, <laughs> right. and, and two of them are running back. So right. he did not leave much to work with at all. No, I mean, you know, uh, it, 
so I think this is a good point to transition to other parts of the training camp. You know, uh, I have been reading a lot of buzz. Uh, yesterday they were talking about um, how the offense was really struggling, and I guess that's kind of been a theme of recent. Um, there hasn't been a whole lot of highlight reels. There has been, though, some shining moments, just like uh, Fields showed last year, right? Overall, the offense played terribly, uh, but there was some shining spots. And I think that's, I think we're getting, we're going to see more of that to come. Uh, You know, and we might not want a second and third and fourth helping of that, but this, that's, you know, you got all new guys. What what do you expect? You got all new guys and no highly paid guys, right? Right. The offensive line, for the most part, is guys on one-year deals, and some of those players hopefully play well and get second contracts here, but the Bears haven't invested much of anything in their offense this year, so I I love all these tweets about the offense performing poorly. It's like, yeah, if they were performing really well, I would have been shocked at (laughs) at, at at this point, because these players haven't played together before the coaching staff is installing a new system and the offense just isn't talented i mean this could very easily end up being the worst offense in the nfl (laughs) it could be if if unless fields is awesome the offense is probably going to be pretty bad i think he is going to be awesome sometimes yeah exactly i think he's going to be awful sometimes too Mm -hmm. and there might be games where he's just running for his life yeah, when you're when you're playing these teams like the 49ers and the Packers and the Bills and some of these other really good defenses that are on the count, like those teams might just be in the backfield every play. Well, the, the with, two teams you already mentioned, yeah, with this line, and that was like that's that's sorry to go back to the offensive line, but it, it might be a situation like last year where week one that first game against the Rams. We were all concerned about the secondary going in, and then week one, the Rams just carved them up, and it's like, oh, this is going to be a long year yep. because this secondary is awful. I mean, uh, that's a, you know, uh, th- there's a there's a nice shiny spot, right? Well, yeah. I mean, none of, I, I, I don't think that a single Bears fan is looking at this secondary like they did last year. No, everybody seems to think that the secondary is going to be pretty good. Uh, I mean, even if they're not, let's, let's uh, you know, Let's say, you know, even if they're not great or even maybe they're borderline good, that's still a huge improvement over number 32. And they might be legitimately good. They might still not have a great year because it's tough to have a really good secondary when you're not getting any pass rush. And the Bears, assuming Robert Quinn is here even, don't have a great pass rush. So the secondary might still give up some big plays, but you can't argue that it's the most talented group of players on the roster. Everybody that I've heard out at practice seems to love what Kyler Gordon and Brisker are bringing. Read about them every day. Jalen Johnson, we already know, is a good player. Eddie Jackson is an interesting case because we know he has the talent, but he hasn't produced in, what, three years? Yeah, and his name actually hasn't been... I, I, at least I haven't seen it written about a whole lot. <laughs> well, yeah, you didn't, see, you didn't see the story that he was putting personal goals aside this year. <laughs> yeah, I did see that one. Yeah, it's like, what What, what were your personal goals exactly? <laughs> like, my personal goals were to have zero interceptions, not hit anybody, and make $15 million. <laughs> he succeeded. That's a good goal. I mean, but I, I, I think he'll be better. I, I think that with Brisker, 
Brisker's the first legitimate safety counterpart he's had since Amos. Yeah. And I think Brisker should be better than Amos. I think so, too. Maybe not his rookie year, but I think if he develops the way that everybody thinks he should, he'll end up being a better player than Adrian Amos. I think he he could be a top-five safety. Legit. Yeah, he could be really, really good. And they drafted him in the second round. He's supposed to be really, really good. But that might allow Eddie Jackson to go back to that role where he's more of a ball hawk and he's a center fielder and he's not necessarily expected to play up at the line of scrimmage. And I think he'll just be used better, too. I mean... So so one thing uh, in, in that vein, right, is that for as much heat as Poles took when he drafted two... Uh, defensive players with our first with with our first two picks, yeah. you know, the one thing was that to me didn't get said enough in that same vein was we really needed those guys. Well, you need a good secondary in the NFL because the secondary was absolutely horrible, and the secondary is really really important in the NFL now, where teams <laughs> throw the ball fifty times a game. I mean, it was literally the worst. Secondary in the NFL. Speaking of which, you know who's getting a lot of a lot of play at that second cornerback spot? Your guy, Kendall Vildor. Kendall Vildor of, of Westeros. Uh, first of his name. He, 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 he has. He, uh, you know, that's the thing though. Is I think most people really liked Vildor. Um, you know, uh, not last year, previous year, his rookie season. Um, uh, liked what they saw. But he wasn't forced into suddenly being a starting corner against some of the best receivers in the NFL. What they put on him last year was ridiculous. Yeah, he wasn't ready for that. You know, and so, yes, um, and we've, uh, you and I have talked about the fact that Thomas Graham, um, we might get to see more out of him. He's hurt, apparently, too. Oh, he's hurt? I hadn't seen that yet. I don't think he's practiced. He's... It, it's him and Jenkins that Eberflus keeps saying their day to day. Okay, but all I'm saying is is that some of these other guys who kind of got the shaft last year because they were trying to play in positions that they clearly were not talented enough to play can go back and start playing a, a spot that they're you know they're a better fill, and it, that's what it sounds like is that Vildor is getting back to a spot that he, you know, that he, I can, okay, I can do this. I got the talent level. I, I got the work ethic to, to man the spot, you know. And, uh, you know, of course there's a little pressure. There's a little pressure with uh, off of him with Gordon and Johnson. Well, and it's interesting with Gordon because it sounds like they're interested in playing him a lot at nickel. So. I saw that. That's interesting. And, you know, nickel back is basically a starter and the NFL nowadays. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's not like 20 years ago where most of the time you had two cornerbacks on the field. Now you have three 75, 80% of the time because teams pass so frequently. So especially flew said 85. Right, I yeah. Think. And especially in this cover two defense, the nickelbacks really important. So him lining up at nickelback could be how the bears view him. And obviously that opens up that second outside cornerback spot. And, you know, this this coaching staff, Iberflus and Alan Williams, they're known for developing defensive backs. So maybe they see Vildor as somebody that was in a little bit over his head, maybe wasn't getting the best coaching, was 
not necessarily put in positions to succeed, and maybe they think that they can still get something out of him. So. Well, I think you and I can make that assessment on our own. Well, it's, not, <laughs> it's not like Sean Desai got a, another defensive coordinator job. You, you know, and and I, I actually I, I feel a little bit sorry for Desai in the fact that it was just, to me, that was pure laziness giving him that job. Not saying that Sean Desai did not deserve an opportunity to become a DC. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that to me, everything about last season was, we'll just do whatever's easiest. And he was the easiest decision. It was just like, yeah, just offer it to decide because we don't have to, then we don't have to go look for a guy. Well, remember that going into last year, the bears didn't look like they were going to be very good. And everybody knew that if the bears weren't very good, then Matt Nagy was out. So they weren't going to get a great defensive coordinator because lame duck. The assumption is that if the season doesn't go well, then the entire coaching staff's fired and that person's got to find another job again. So, yeah, you're left with internal promotion or you're left with a guy like Chuck Pagano that's <laughs> on his on his last opportunity. So it, it wasn't great. I, and I don't necessarily know that Desai did a bad job. Like he was working with uh he wasn't working with a full kitchen right his roster was awful yeah the the secondary was terrible and so the 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 bears obviously and then they had then he had some injuries so it was even worse yeah so we'll see i mean he seemed like a guy that the players loved so i i hope he ends up getting another opportunity because i don't necessarily think he was playing with a full deck last year but you know alan williams right now Maybe he can come in and get something out of Vildor. Maybe he can coach up these other couple guys. And if the secondary is really good, then the defense has a shot to be at least decent. We're going to see what happens with the front seven. I think the front seven is still pretty weak, especially, mm-hmm. by the way, Roquan Smith still not signed. Yeah. So the front seven, you know, if that if they're not good, then it's going to be hard to have a really good secondary. But so far, at least, early returns on Brisker and Gordon, very positive and Hopefully that pays dividends for Eddie Jackson and Jalen Johnson, too. So, shifting from uh, defensive backs to Roquan Smith. Yeah. So, we, you know, obviously we've got to comment on this. And the only thing I want to say about it is, you know, because we, we, we're fans. We don't know exactly what's going on there, right? I, to me, it does look like the team wants him to be there. I just my hunch, my gut says that they want to sign him to a long-term deal. I I really believe that the fact that he's trying to be his own agent is really clogging the process. Yeah. Um I know that other players have done it. I I, I you know, I, I read that in a million spots. I don't care. Every single person is different. And it, it, it literally could be that Roquan is absolutely terrible <laughs> trying to be an agent. Yeah, exactly. You know, and Poles is sitting there going, dude, you're really terrible at this. Well, and he's, we, you need to get an agent. He's also never signed a second contract before, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Your your rookie contract is is fairly boilerplate. Yeah, and he was he still had disputes with that. Now he was working with an agent then, but to your point, no two players are the same, and 
the players that have been successful negotiating their own contracts, that's not necessarily an indication that a separate player is also going to be good. I mean, Roquan could be asking for things that are completely ridiculous. Exactly. So we, we don't know, obviously. We know that he's been at practice, so I think he wants to be there. I think the Bears want him there, but there's some sort of breakdown, and I think you're probably spot on that it probably has a lot to do with him representing himself. I, 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 I would, number one, you know, when... When we look at issues, what does it always come to? Always comes to money, right? So, uh, you know, the kind of thing it could be is, you know, he's asking for, you know, a, a sizable pay raise over, you know, making him the number one paid linebacker over, over the other two guys that we discussed. And, um, you know, he, he wants to be paid, or maybe he wants to be paid like a defensive end, or again, um, the language, right? That was the deal with his rookie deal. Yeah. You know, maybe he's just asking for something ridiculous. To me, though, he, you have to be looking at that aspect of it as uh, being a, a, a part of this. How much of a part of it is, we don't know exactly, but we know for a fact it's certainly part of it. Well, these agents... They, they all have their own systems, but, but they all work together, too. Every contract negotiation, I would imagine, starts with the agent sitting down with the player and saying, here's a range of what I see is the likelihood, or here's a range of potential salaries for you. If everything goes our way, this is the top end. If the team is more, uh, if the team's trying to nickel and dime me, here's the low end. 85% of the time will probably end up somewhere in the middle. Like, these agents know how much their players are worth. The player likely has an uh, inflated sense of what they're worth. Most people <laughs> think, think that they should be getting paid more than they are. So it might just be, like you said, that he's going in there and saying, I want to be paid X million dollars more than the next highest paid linebacker, and the Bears might not view him that way. Now, with an agent, there's a pretty standard process for resolving that difference. And sometimes players do hold out and sometimes the team doesn't, it isn't willing to make a concession, but in most cases, the, the agent and the general manager work it out and they meet in the middle. Right. But when the player is acting on his own behalf, it, it's just going to be harder. So, right. And if you're, if you're at the level of being an NFL agent, um, you know, most of the time you're dealing with somebody that's very experienced, knows what they're doing. And it's like you said, they're going in there, they're explaining to the player, hey, look, uh, this is what your position normally gets. This is the high end. This is the low end. Um, I think, you know, we can approach this. But, uh, and then, you know, approaching it logically, right? And then at the same time, you know, they're able to be, the liaison, right? That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to be the one, the negotiator that says, okay, um, you know, Pauls, I get this, I get this, I get this. But this over here, you know, you and I both know that that's not going to fly. We need to change that. And that's what his whole job is. So, uh, you know, being a great linebacker <laughs> certainly doesn't make you great at being a sports agent. No, like sports, like I think, People think that sports sports agents are just like guys that are big sports fans. 
<laughs> but these are like Ivy, yeah. Ivy League lawyers. Yeah, that's what they are. And they have teams of Ivy League statisticians and Ivy League negotiators and <laughs> Ivy League I, Ivy League MBAs, like teams of just highly, highly educated professionals that do this for a living. Like I'm looking at Drew Rosenhaus right now, lawyer from Duke. Yeah, so these, I these mean, are, exactly. These, these are very, very, very smart people that, their, their agencies are worth billions yeah. of dollars. Like their, their job is to represent the highest paid professional athletes in the world. Like, and it's in their best interest to get you as much money as they can. Like these aren't these aren't guys that are hanging out at the bar and showing up to negotiate <laughs> showing up to negotiate contracts in like a t shirt and a pair of ripped up jeans. Like, <laughs> right. So. They know what they're talking about, and there's a reason that 99% of NFL players have agents. Now, yeah. with Roquan, I think he is going to be ready for week one. I still think this will get worked out. I, I don't think it's necessarily a huge deal that he's missing the first couple of weeks of camp. But, you know, every report I've seen is that him and the Bears are still pretty far away from reaching an agreement here. And as we start getting closer to the preseason games and... As we start approaching September 11th, week one, I mean, every day that goes by, it becomes more and more of a risk that he's not going to be ready to go week one, and this defense certainly cannot have that because no. they don't have they don't have any viable option to replace him. He's a he is a captain of the team. He is the leader of the team. He, he's their best player right now. He is probably the best player, right? And that's the thing is, uh, he's the unquestioned leader of the defense, right? Yeah. I mean, it's... But he, and more importantly, he's one of the leaders, uh, primary leaders of the team, and you need that guy out there. Not to mention that he is playing a different position. So, while, yes, he certainly doesn't need to be out there uh, as much as uh, Morrow does, right? Um, he still needs to be at least... Uh, you know, being out there to work with his uh, work, work with the other guys on the team, uh, certainly get uh, more familiar with the ins and the outs of his new position. Uh, it's just what you were saying. We need to see him certainly at some point before the season starts, right? Not to mention, I, I, it's yes, it's a superstition thing for me. I hate it when a player, no matter whether he's a rookie or a veteran, misses all of camp. It, 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 it. To me, it always ends badly. It, it does, and especially when the player is supposed to be not only the captain of the defense, but also the defensive play caller. When he's yeah. in there, he will be calling the signals for the defense. Now, does he need as much time to learn how to do that than a player that's a rookie or a player that maybe hasn't ever done that before? Probably not, but... He still needs time to practice that, and also the rest of the defense needs time to practice executing when he's in that role. So yeah, I, I think I was listening to Thayer, and he said he thinks Roquan Smith would need two weeks to get ready to go. So we're six weeks out still, so there is some time to get this resolved. But man, it, it, I haven't really heard any reports of any progress, and I guess he's just there riding an exercise bike every day. So, yeah, yeah, you know. It, it feels like this should be priority number one for the front office, and I'm sure it is, but get on with it. Like, just get it done. You know, and um, it, it agreed. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you could pick any random Bears fan and they would all agree with you. Um, uh, 
you know, it, and then we're seeing other teams, uh, you know, n- namely the, uh, the Seahawks with DK Metcalf and the Niners with Debo yeah. Samuel uh, signing big deals. Uh, you know, I thought actually the DK Metcalf deal was brilliant. I think that that is the way of the future. You sign in the guy for three years. You give him the big cash for the three years. Yes, he is going to approach free agency at 27 years old. Now, that might not... Some some would look at that and say, well, see, you know you're losing him right at the wrong time. You don't know that. Right. Maybe you end up getting the best out of him. Mm-hmm. At, regardless, you're getting three prime years out of him, and you don't have to deal with this, right? right? You don't have to deal with the crap that happened with Allen Robinson. Whatever the exact specifics of that situation, we'll never know, right? All we do know is what happened, and what happened, in general, for Bears fans, sucked. So, you know, um, if if this is the the new wave of doing things, I think it's something that it seriously needs to be examined because... I thought it was a great way to handle it. They're going to get three prime years out of Metcalf. Metcalf's happy as a bug in a rug that he's got his money now. It's no longer a point of contention. And, you know, at the same time, for other teams, they get to go look at him and say, okay, in in three years, he's going to be 27 years old. He's going to be available. Are we going to go ahead and position ourselves for that? Well, they're going to get to watch the next three years and see exactly how good he is. And, and Did also, he pay off for it? And also, like, is this really the guy that you need to be nickel and diming? Like, right. Y- y- you know, y- you don't need to save every penny here because, number one, the Bears are rebuilding and they have cap space. If it prevents you next year from maybe signing a big contract, we know that there's always ways to manipulate the NFL salary cap. Like, you don't need to go egregiously high and pay him eight million dollars higher than the next linebacker but if you're negotiating over a million bucks or two to me Roquan has earned that and also he is going to have to be a tackle machine on what probably is going to be a pretty bad team so yes. if you have to overpay a little bit for him I would be inclined to do that now obviously my opinion doesn't matter but <laughs> to me I, I hope they're not arguing it does o- to me yeah I, I know they're I know they're not arguing over I hope they're not arguing over trivial differences here. So that that's point number number one, and also point number two. Like you just you want him out there. Like he's he, he's the leader of the defense. You don't you don't want this hanging over camp camp because you know it affects other players. You know that in practice you've got probably a backup playing that position, and that means other guys have to do more than they would have to do if Roquan's out there. Just it, it disrupts everything, and I know it's the NFL. And it's Resentment, ne- yeah, it's next man up. It's it's everything like that. But and that and that can even be a different kinds of resentment because it can generate the oh well you know why doesn't uh, Roquan uh, you know do what he needs to do to get in the camp at the same time it also gen- can generate resentment from players that are like well you know that's going to be me in two years you know yeah. well, how are they going to handle my deal exactly. You don't want to be known as a team that doesn't treat your players well, especially when they've earned that second contract. Right. That's the exact thing with Robinson. He earned his extension, and the Bears strung him along for three years. And yep. at the end of it, Robinson obviously had no love lost for the Bears, and 
you know, if Roquan feels they're being unfair to him, and we haven't heard anything to suggest that the Bears are being unfair, but if that's how he feels the process is playing out, you don't want a disgruntled star player. Right. And I, I don't know exactly how this would work, but if it gets to the point where you're still not getting this resolved and you're getting close to the start of the season, like, he could hold out. He could not play, and he could just go to free agency next year. Yeah. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but it, 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 the, every day that goes by, you know, it kind of plants the seed in the player's head, too. Like, I'm one day closer to maybe just kind of sitting this one out, and the Bears can go if they're 2-15, and 15 and, <laughs> you know, I can depart for greener pastures. So, that, it's all speculation. We Don't, we don't say greener. Yeah. Oh, oh, gosh. Yeah. No kidding. But it, it's all speculation. We don't know exactly what's happening with this negotiation, but I, I kind of had expected it to be done by now. And I, I, I will, I will say that uh, you know, to me, it was um, it was a positive thing that the team was like, you know, we're going to put you on pup, uh, so that way, yeah. you know, you're still getting paid, you're still at camp. Um, don't have wh- to talk to the media. Yeah, while wh- wh- we got this going on, uh, to me, that is uh, um, a sign. From the from the you know management saying you know we do want you here we want to work this thing out yeah um, I'm hope I'm I'm the same as you I'm the same as every other Bears fan I want that worked out sooner rather than later let's not make this as an issue the team already had to deal with this garbage for the last three years with a different player it, let's let that be gone this is a different regime. This is a new start. Let's not start it off that way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Bears don't need another negative headline. Exactly. So, I, I, it, we're going to see. I, I, I said last week when we recorded that I thought it would be done by this episode. I'm now saying I think it'll be done by next episode. <laughs> and I forgot can, that we said that. Yeah, and, and I hope it's done by the next episode and we can all move on and he can get in camp and we can start actually getting excited for the start of the season with our best player out there playing. <laughs> it will be done by the next episode. Yeah. I was just scrolling my Twitter, and I, apparently there's a new in-depth article about Aaron Rodgers. So oh, my there's God. There's like a, a big SI profile about him and how he's freed his mind. Oh, I cannot, I cannot <laughs> tolerate uh, even <laughs> looking at him anymore. I'm just so over it. Him showing up is... Nicholas Cage. Oh my God! That, that, was, that just was, was, kind of, was like that was oh, kind of funny. Oh man, <laughs> um, it, he. I just. I'm just so. I'm just so over that guy. I. Uh, I am really interested to see how this year plays out for them because I think the Vikings are going to be really good. Actually, yeah, the Vikings could be. Uh, they do have. They have good pieces. That you know, there's no reason that they they shouldn't be. Uh, definitely a, a high powered offense. I, that to me seemed like a situation where they were just underperforming with the old curmudgeon coach. Yeah, and you get a new guy in there, and that team's just gonna be going going gangbuster in the first. That they he should have been fired probably two seasons ago. Oh, without a doubt. You know, so um, no, they that uh, that is a new group, um, and there's there's some good pieces in there. If Zadarius Smith can plays like he did. You know, two years ago, that could be a really deadly uh, pass rush. You know, so um, should go great against the Bears. <laughs> yeah, at least at least against the Bears, it'll be deadly. 
Um, so, uh, anyway, um, any parting? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think, you know, another week of camp going forward. Hopefully we start seeing a little more positivity relating to the offense. I don't have high hopes for that, but... Hopefully we get some better headlines there, and then I, I really hope they get the Roquan Smith thing figured out. Oh, so there was one other thing. Um, so uh, currently uh, on ESPN, they have um, a listing of the greatest players that ever played for the NFL, right? Okay. And, um, uh, you know, it's one of those things they went out and asked 50 GMs and scouts. Is this like, like guys from like the 30s? No, it's um, it's mostly the player list is mostly recent recent guys. I guess it makes sense each, that they're asking each, current guys. So there guys. was fifty votes for each position, right? Yeah. And I mean, of course, so you can guess who the number one quarterback is, right? So you know, I just what I found interesting about it was um, at running back. Uh, number one was Jim Brown. Hmm. Okay. And then um, number two was Barry Sanders, um, who, yes, I'm a huge Bears fan. Yes, I love Walter Payton. I think that Walter Payton was the greatest player ever, period. Yeah. But as far as a pure running back, I always thought that Barry Sanders was the best. Yeah. Just because nobody moved like that guy. Now, uh, but Walter is listed. He, he's, I think he's number three. Um, you know, some others that, you know, got some consideration like Ladanian Tomlinson and, and some others. But I just, I always think it's interesting that Jim Brown is always kind of in these lists listed as the greatest. Because to me, um, while he is without question one of the greatest, um, you know, Emmett Smith, he came up as well. Um, but uh, the one thing about Jim Brown is that he was so much bigger than <laughs> everybody else, yeah. you know? Um, now, he he did some amazing things in his brief career. Um, and uh, they were talking about he averaged 5.6 yards per carry, which I guess is still an NFL record. And when you think about that number, that's ridiculous. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just feel like some of the other guys, the more modern guys, had much a much tougher go of it than Brown did. I'm surprised because Jim Brown played his last season was 1965. Yeah. You said this is like current players and exactly well it was supposed to be the greatest ever yeah but i'm just saying like none of the like most of those guys probably didn't watch jim brown play so yeah i I would have expected there to be like adrian peterson and you said tomlinson but more recent players on there so it's interesting that the first three were you said uh, brown sanders and peyton yeah i mean it just shows just the legacy of those players right yeah i mean like you said i mean Brown was running over people that were half his size. Yeah, he was. He was. Now, and that's not taking anything away from him because he was, he would probably be a beast in any era. Yeah. I'm just saying that the guys that, you know, one thing that is very well known about uh, about Walter Payton for Bears fans is that, talk about bad offensive lines. I mean, his was crap most of his career, right? 
he was generating those runs by himself, and he was taking a huge beating doing it. Right? Well, the other thing that people always rave about is his blocking ability. Yeah, his pass was amazing. Like they always say, he was the best pass blocking running back, and that is not a small thing when you're talking about running backs. Absolutely, absolutely. And he I, had a lot of guys like Barry Sanders that didn't want to block. Well. Uh, you know, Walter was, uh, you know, uh, definitely a Swiss Army knife of, of running backs because he could he he could do so many different things. I mean, he ran for touchdowns, he received for touchdowns, he threw for touchdowns. You know, um, Sanders, I, I like as the best pure running back just because he had that he had those huge legs and that super low center of gravity, right? But I mean, they're all—they're all great. I just brought it up because it was the one spot, of course, that a bear was mentioned. Uh, there's no no defensive players on there. No, really? I was. Oh wait, no. I'm sorry. I only saw the offensive list. Oh, okay. The defensive list was well, that, coming that, out. That makes sense. Yeah, the, the, the defensive list and the special teams list I have not seen Sid, yet. Sid Luckman didn't get a vote. Nope, Sid Luckman did not get a vote. And it, technically, he is one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever played in the NFL because he was one of the primary redefiners of that position. Right? Everybody that watched him is dead. You, oh, you know, though, um, you know, uh, uh, Mike Dicka, uh, I think he did get one vote, right? He was like number five tight end or whatever. In my opinion... Mike Dicka completely changed that position. You know, I mean, you and I were joking at the beginning of the season, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the beginning of the offseason about, you know, that he still holds the record for most yards as a rookie. Yeah. You know, for a tight end. You know, 50 years later. It's just insane. Like, you know, and, when they played, what, 14 games, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, you just had. One of the highly uh, highest rated tight ends in NFL history come into the league with Pitts. I mean, it, literally, there hasn't been a tight end rated as high as that guy. And he came in and absolutely torched a bunch of records, and he still didn't beat Ditka's record in 17 games. And Ditka played in an era where guys couldn't throw the ball like 20 yards down the field. I mean, <laughs> right. The fact, the fact that that record still stands, I mean, the game of football doesn't even resemble right now what it looked like back then. I know, and they were talking about, you know, of course on that list was Gronkowski and uh, um, uh, Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates. Um, you know, so, you know, there's there's some, you know, great players on there. But I felt like, I did feel like Iron Mike should have got a little bit more of a mention than he did because he played a significant role in making the tight end position what it is today. What percentage of guys that work in the NFL right now do you think even know Mike Ditka played tight end? <laughs> you know, like, it was so long ago, and he's so much more known for right, his, his right. coaching. But yeah, it's an in- I mean, it's interesting, right? Like, there, like baseball is a game that you can compare across eras really well. Like football, you just can't. I mean, no, the, the game was so different. It was so different, even even twenty years ago than it is right now. And and. And now, I mean, you have guys that go run a, uh, you know, they they had, this year they had that huge defensive uh, tackle run a four, what was it, a four eight or a four six yeah. at three hundred and twenty pounds, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, in in the days of Jim Brown, you could have just had that guy 
on your team. Oh. It just gave him the ball every single down, you that, know? That was just kind of funny to me. Like, <laughs> stick that guy at running back. Like, who's tackling that guy? <laughs> exactly. Like, who's the Jets lineman that was like 6'11 and 350 pounds and was running some insane 40 time? And he actually hasn't been that good of a left tackle, but... It's like just give oh yeah, the, just give Mackay Beckton. Beckton. Yeah, it's like give him give him the ball. No one's no one's taking him down. <laughs> yeah, but he he's uh, he, he still has played well enough, and he's really young too. Yeah. I, I think he's only like twenty two or something. So, um, but anyway, uh, so uh, that's it for this week. Uh, bear down, bear down. Talk to you next week. <laughs>